Hey guys, you're listening to Tea Time with Tay, a podcast series where I sit down, like I have a choice, brew some tea, and then spill it. Let's start the show. This episode of Tea Time with Tay is brought to you by my company, Cup of Tay Luxury Loose Leaf Teas. Cup of Tay is a loose leaf tea company that gives back to mental health awareness causes and also delivers you the most amazing organic loose leaf teas on the market. It's my guarantee. We have the cutest packaging, very modern and looks amazing in everyone's kitchen, office, or makes for a very great gift. To check out Cup of Tay, head to www.cupoftay.com or look for the link in our description and it's at Cup of Tay Shop on Instagram. But enough about that and let's get right into the show. Hey guys, I thought I would just let you know that this episode was recorded actually as my first episode back after my two-year hiatus, but with everything that happened with Black Lives Matter and George Floyd, I decided to push it back a lot. So if you hear me refer to it as my first podcast, that's why. Um, Yeah, I hope you enjoy. I love Charlotte so much. On to the show. Also, just a little bit of a disclaimer, we are working virtually because of quarantine, and unfortunately there's a few glitches due to Zoom and Wi-Fi issues, but we promise we soldier through and have edited as best to our abilities, and you're going to enjoy the interview anyway. All right, all done, I promise. Wow. Okay, guys, it has been two years since I recorded my last podcast. It's kind of unbelievable that it's been this long, but I'm super excited because I have an amazing guest who I'm going to get to in just a second. But before then, my tea of the week this week, I am drinking and sipping on cream of Earl Grey from Cup of Tea. More about that to come soon. And it's a delicious black tea and it's going to give me the caffeine boost and the kick to get me through the day. But more importantly, to my very, very first guest, after a two-year hiatus, hello, Charlotte. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm really honored to be here. I honestly, when I was thinking about restarting the podcast, the first, one of the first people I thought about, I'm like, Charlotte would be such an amazing person to interview. So I am so excited and pumped to have you on. Thank you. This is actually my first interview. What? I know. I've had podcasts scheduled that have fallen through. So this yeah. is the first one. Isn't that awesome that it's my friend who gets to interview me? This is like, I feel <laughs> First off, I feel so honored, and now I feel more pressure to make sure it's a great experience. I feel pressure. No, no, you're going to be amazing. I already know it. I already know it. But to give a little bit of background, so Charlotte is an incredible, incredible actress, but the way that we met each other is a little bit unorthodox. Do you remember? It's a good word for it. Do you remember how all that went down? Yeah, I remember getting, um, yeah, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but they were like fan-like yeah. messages, but from your poetry account. And I wasn't really sure who you were, but I really dug your poetry. So I'm like, oh, this girl's cool. So I started following you. <laughs> exactly. So I started off as, a, I still am, but a complete fangirl. So I remember seeing you in Greenleaf which is an incredible series. 
um, and just being so enamored by your scene. And I'll get into that in a second. But immediately after the show, I remember watching the episode, reaching out to you in your DMs. I swear to you, I do not do this. But I was like, I just need to tell this girl that her scene was incredible. Because if you want to describe what are the most impactful scenes that you had on that show, if you want to give people a little bit of an insight to why I became such a stalker. Uh, (laughs) Was it the scene where he offers me a drink? Yes, exactly. Okay, Okay. Um, without giving too much away, if you're still watching the series, which is on Netflix now, um, it's a scene where a predator grooms its prey of sorts. So, um, yeah, it's it's heartbreaking. Um, it's a girl who wants a father figure and is too naive to see the dangers that are right in front of her. Exactly. And I remember, thank God, I've never had anything like that happen in my life. But I just remember thinking, wow, a scene like this is going to touch so many people and it was the first time I'd ever seen you in a television show and I was like who is this girl because I know she's going to go places so automatically the first thing I want to do is add you on Instagram and yeah so I reached out added you and you surprisingly were interactive with me and you said okay we'll meet up if you ever come to LA like I'll go for coffee with you and I was like this is my kind of girl. Dude, I hit it off like we were friends in another life too. <laughs> Honestly, we met up for, I think we met up for tea near my place and we just, it was like old friends. And yeah, so since then, Charlotte and I have been friends and I feel so blessed again to have you on. But to give even more of a background, I know that you are a woman of the world. When I describe you to my friends, I'm like, this girl is a worldly woman. So I know you've kind of lived, I think, on five continents. Yeah, good memory. Yeah. So if you want to give everybody just kind of like an, a little bit of a rundown of your background, because I know everything, but a lot, but yeah, so people can understand a bit more. Um, well, I was born in Washington, D.C., and my dad's an American citizen. My mom's a French citizen. Um, but my dad was a diplomat for the U.S., so we moved around a lot. Um, when I was two, I moved to the Middle East in Oman. We were evacuated um, because of some wow. in the area. Um, I went to France so my sister could be born, and we stayed there for a while. And then we moved to North Africa, which, uh, where I spent most of my childhood. Um, then I think I did some of middle school in DC and the rest of middle school and all of high school in Brazil. So, so with all that moving around, how was that on you as a child? Like, was it just normal or was it chaotic? That's a good question. Um, as a child, I think moving around really molded who I am as an adult in that I learned that. I can't keep friends as a child, so I became more more distant. Um, and when I moved to America when I was 18, I still kept my distance from people because I was used to leaving everyone behind. But it was actually acting. I realized that helped me become more of a well-rounded human. Uh, it forced me to feel emotions and to connect with people. And it it brought me back to who I was before I learned to be distant. 
Um, but I, I am really appreciative of all the languages I know and all the cultures that I feel close to, I feel, and hope that I can relate to everyone that I meet. Yeah. So in moving that much, you said with your languages, how many languages do you speak again? Four. Can you list them? That's crazy. Sure. Um, well, English, which you didn't English, know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not that one. <laughs> French. Portuguese, and a North African Arabic. And what of the four, besides English, do you think that you are the most comfortable in? Hmm, French, I would say. French is technically my first language. Okay. And I always wonder, with people who speak so many languages, do you ever have a dream in different languages? Or, pardon? Rarely, rarely. Rarely, but you do notice a difference sometimes. I do like say I'm in France visiting my family. I'll start to dream in French. So it really depends on what I'm hearing that day. That's so so cool. And um, I know that you moved here when you were not here because I'm in Canada and you're in California. But I know that you moved to the states when you were 18. But before then, you went to a British Academy of Performing Arts. Where was that? So during the summer, um, I would come to America every summer and the musical theater nerd. <laughs> uh, there, was, uh, there were courses I could take um, back in the States, but it was run by like a British school. Um, so yeah, I would just immerse myself in that. My parents put me in it, but I loved it so much. I was so happy. And you excelled in it, which is insane because not only, because I know you from your acting, that's how I found you, but in getting to know you, you also have an incredible speak, a speaking voice. You do have a Incredible speaking voice, <laughs> but singing voice is what I was trying to get after. Um, and so, if I, if I'm correct, you had, which your life is just so interesting to me. But you had a song that ended up being in the top forty in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, in Brazil, um, it was a song I recorded when I was sixteen, and my family kind of blindly sent it to a network to be placed. And years later, I'm in college and I get an email saying like, oh, we want to use your song for um, one of the novellas, which is a soap opera as the theme song for the year. What was that like for you getting an email like that? It was awesome. I got some money out of it. So (laughs) which helps when you're in school. Um, yeah, uh, I was really proud, and I, I still really love the song. If anyone wants to to check it out, it's called Quem Sabe Um Dia, which is a Portuguese title. Um, yeah. What I'll do is I'll make sure to – can I find that on YouTube? You can, but let me make a different video for it because I've had, I think, fans put it up, and they're, it's like um, – a cover that I don't really care for. So I'll put up a new one that you can share. Okay. Well, this will be going up a little bit delayed. So I will get all of that from you and I'll make sure to link it below in the description so you guys can totally find that and check it out because your voice is so nice. Um, but I, what I love about your voice most is probably the kind of classic feel of it. It's, I, I think you would feel most comfortable in the jazz, right? Yeah. And is that like an influence from your parents or just something you stumbled into yourself? No, I stumbled into it. Um, when I was really? still, I was, I, I loved going to, um, to 
band class and choir class. So I used to skip my regular classes to hide in the band room and actually practice. Yeah. And my band teacher knew and he um, didn't say anything. And I got into my dream school, which is Berkeley College of Music. But because my high school program was so small, yeah. my band teacher, Corey Sherrick, shout out to him. He's watching <laughs> He would teach me after school the basics of music theory so that when I went to school as a freshman, I wouldn't be completely lost because he knew that I, I wouldn't be able to, to survive without that kind of knowledge. Yeah. It's amazing how like mentors like that can have such an incredible impact on like your whole course. I hope that, yeah, if you're listening, what was his name again? Corey Shirk. I hope that if you're listening, then you <laughs> get all your, uh, what they call all your roses. And um, that's insane. And what was that like? Like, is that when you decided also that you wanted to get into acting? Or how was that transition from, because it was, I think you started out singing, right? And then, I yeah. Never had, I, I never had the intent of becoming an actor. I moved to LA in order to pursue music. Um, and, uh, it wasn't lucrative. Surprise, surprise. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, you know, cause I was doing like wine bars and jazz sets here and there, which I really, really love. So I wanted to supplement my income by doing acting gigs. So I was just, you know, looking for background stuff. And one day I booked a web series. Um, I later found out that I booked it because the guy casting it thought I was cute because I had no skills at that point. You know who that guy was? No. Chris Jackson. Wait, who? Jeronis. And it's a cure. Yeah, he's my friend. Stop it. Yeah, so he got me into acting because one day I went to audition for a web series, had no experience. I only booked it because he thought I was cute. Turns yeah. out it was not good, Taylor. I was not good. I never taken a class before. Okay. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know if I believe you on the not good angle, but. Comparison to, to how I've grown. But um, <laughs> um, so I, I booked the web series. I'm on set with Sharonis and he's super green too. This is what I think if I'm not mistaken, this is his first time working as an actor as well. And you weren't getting paid. It was just to, you know, to learn. To be there, um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, he invited me to his acting class a couple of weeks go by and I decide, you know, what the heck I'm in the area. Let me go check out this film acting class and see what it's about. I really enjoy learning whatever it is. I, I, I just enjoy learning in general. So I went in, I sat in on it and I never saw anything. This sounds so cheesy, but so magical and beautiful and mysterious in my life. The way like just these two humans that were themselves before and, and the scene starts and it was as though I was transported to a different world just right before my eyes. Those are the same two people physically, but as it's as though the air had shifted and they took themselves mentally, emotionally, and physically somewhere else. And it was, um, it was like magic. And I became so interested. I knew this would fascinate me to the day I died, learning how to do this. Wow. See, the way you talk about it, it makes it, even though it wasn't necessarily a passion from your childhood, you can tell. And what I know about you is that you put so much into your craft. And even in the couple of, I guess, years now of coming to being friends, oops, she's having a cup of tea. Yay. 
<laughs> in a couple of years of getting to know you, you are always learning, always going to classes. Um, and maybe you can speak a bit about that on the continued learning in, even though you are amazing, like why do you continue to do that? Because I think we can never learn enough. And I just sincerely enjoy pushing myself. Um, yeah, that that's really it. Discovering new characters, new emotions, just there are endless things you can learn about storytelling in general in general. Um, yeah, I, I wanna be the, the best of the best because um I don't have family in the industry. I don't necessarily come from money. Um all I can do to be successful and follow my passion is just to be really good and dependable and kind. Um, yeah. And in knowing LA, and I've never been a person in the industry, but what you as an outsider always hear, and also from people who are inside of it, in the thick of it, like you, what has your journey been like dealing with such an immensely difficult industry because it's not only difficult to get in, it's difficult to deal with so many different facets of it. The rejection, the uh, just the, sometimes the fakeness of people and uh, how do you remain yourself and not go crazy and become <laughs> jaded in such a crazy industry? Such a good question. Um, at first, LA was overwhelming, and it took years, I feel, to find true friends. Even then, I keep to myself a lot. Mm -hmm. I feel if you share specific hopes and dreams before they come to fruition, you know, maybe we'll get changing. I don't know. I, I don't want to get my hopes up when I'm in line for a project and don't confirmation yet. So I, I tend to keep myself um how do I deal with rejection I mean I just dealt with it yesterday it was um I auditioned for something I got a call back for it and it's between me and one other person I found out yesterday that I went to the other person oh um, sorry yeah that's okay but they, they wrote a really lovely message to my reps and said that you know how much they how difficult of a decision it was and it was just a completely different direction so I I know that I that I did a good job and um, I'm getting, whatever I'm doing, I'm, I'm on the right path if I'm getting this close. Yeah. Mm, but rejection, I still have to deal with rejection. It gets easier and easier. And the more I train, the more I realize you're doing everything you can, you're good at what you do. But sometimes your interpretation or your look doesn't really fit the rest of the story or the other characters. Yeah. Um, when you view that world isn't the same view that the creators have in mind. And that's really out of my control, my interpretation. I'm not willing to sacrifice my artistry. Um, I, I, when I act, I feel things from my heart. If my heart doesn't belong in, in that kind of world, then there's nothing I can really do. Yeah. I, uh, in order to keep myself sane, I meditate and do yoga, which helps so freaking much. Meditation. It helps clear my mind. Talk to my family. I play with my pet rats. Shout out to those rat parents. <laughs> One of the crazy things about you, and 
that probably is met with a lot of confusion and questions is the fact that you are a rat mom. And how did you get into rats? <laughs> Why rats? Um, I would have asked myself the same question uh, years ago. <laughs> Well, I was at a party in college and someone was going to feed a baby rat to a snake. Long story short, I thought it was a hamster, but regardless if, it, if I knew it was a baby rat or not, I just saved it. Um, I took it home with me and gave it the next day told me, congratulations on the rat. <laughs> uh, they are like a cousin species to the street rat. They're called fancy rats, so they're domesticated. Okay. And smartest animal in the world according to National Geographic and this is really like having a little puppy. I know it's odd makes such great pets. You know what I I can't say that I would be one of those people who might be fully not freaked out picking them up but watching them on your Instagram story they win you over. Yeah they won me over. Yeah they win you over. I don't know you may need might need to start a whole page for them because they're they're actually pretty cute on the screen. Again, I might be a little bit freaked out, but I'm freaked out by a lot of things. But pardon? The thing you do want to pet sit. Thank you so much, Taylor. <laughs> I don't know if I volunteer to pet sit, but I will be a distant aunt who travels a lot. And uh, yeah, but <laughs> circling back to your acting side of you how was your family um because you know acting is a what they still would consider an alternative career like it's not the typical nine to five so how was that for your family when you decided to go from singing to acting and that being pretty much your your full-time job now yes uh I think my parents always knew that I was never going to be normal. Normal. <laughs> I think the compromise was you must go to college, but it's okay if you major in music. And I don't think you know what? I think they prefer that I I am more of an actor now than I am a musician in terms of how I make a living. Um surprisingly enough, it's a lot more reliable. In the music industry. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good that you have really supportive parents, especially because that goes a long way in making you feel comfortable taking such a question, not a, a path that is very open ended because you could, you know, have a steady stream and then Corona can hit and then things are kind of, but you seem to still be auditioning even despite. How has that been for you? Because right now, as we're recording this podcast, for anyone who ever listens in the future, it's in the midst of the coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. And so how has that affected you as an, act an actress? I try not to let the pandemic affect me in any way. So I'm just trying to modify my daily life. Um, I'm auditioning, doing self-tapes. I will set up in my room. Um, my callbacks are on Zoom. Okay. Seven days a week, I'm working with my coach via Zoom, which is really cool. And shout out to Anthony Gilardi Acting Studio. He's a great teacher and a really great human. That's awesome. So that's cool that I always wondered, like, what 
how this was affecting different sectors, but it seems like you guys have, like everyone, had to adapt, change, and figure out how do we make this work because life doesn't stop, even though. And a lot of productions are even uh, uh, using the setups the actors have at home to record. So the role that I just found out I didn't get yesterday um, was one that I could have shot at home by myself. Really? Yeah, so, well, I can't say anything about the premise, but yeah. you can be self-sufficient at home. So some productions are finding ways for actors to film themselves and sending them equipment to set it up. You know what? I saw that in, um, I've been seeing, like you said, the adaptation. So I saw the show, The Blacklist. They animated the second half of their last season finale episode. And then, I'm a reality show girl, Survivor, their finale, they did via Zoom. And they sent like the whole set of where they usually do it to the host's house. So it looked like the background of how they usually have it. So people are getting very creative very but I'm sure you cannot wait to get back out there like so many of us yeah, just having that human human interaction as an actor is like uh, it's so magical but it's also great to practice interacting with a screen or just the wall because a lot of times you're interacting with a green screen so it's kind of forcing you oh, to that's true objects you know Wow. So speaking of green screens, when, um, so obviously I found you through Greenleaf, but an amazing show that you were on, which also is currently streaming on Netflix, was Daybreak. What was that like for you? I remember when you told me you got it. I was so excited. Thank you. Um, it was shot in Albuquerque and I play a Brazilian foreign exchange student. Since I speak Portuguese fluently. Yes. Uh, it was really a lot of fun. It was a really young cast. So it was different than on Greenleaf. Um, we just had a lot of fun on set. It was a fast-paced, dark comedy, very well written. Um, yeah, we're not, we don't know if we're going to get season two. Yes, we need a lot of people to watch season one. If you wanted to give the audience a little bit of, don't give away too much, but just give them a little bit of an idea of what Daybreak is so they can go right after this and go online and stream it. Sure. Um, honestly, it's actually very timely because it's about the apocalypse hitting. Exactly, yeah. And it's really interesting because everyone under 18, their vibes. And by the end of the season, you find out why that is. But along the way, there are so many... Just can I say badass? Yeah, yeah, yeah go for it. Characters, um, and uh, yeah, you get to, to discover why the world is the, the way it is, and it's witty, it's smart. Um, there's a lot of political commentary in the undertones. It's um, it's something that like a, a really wide age gap can enjoy for sure. Exactly. Well. Obviously, guys, you can go stream Daybreak as well as Greenleaf over on Netflix. But Charlotte has had so many touches in the acting world. And I know that you are going to do go on to do even more amazing things. Um, but before I wrap it up, 
I wanted to know what is it like for you? And I don't know if this is politically correct to say, but how has your experience in acting been being someone who can be a little bit visually ambiguous in the sense that when I, I remember the first time we met up for tea, I asked asking you what your background was and you being like, guess. And I'm like, I can't, I can't place it. I don't, you look like you could be African-American, but you look like you can be like the French. And then how has that been for you? Really weird. That's a really good question. Um, I never guessed my ethnic background until I moved to America because I always saw myself as just white but I lived in North Africa and Brazil so the people who were white in America we called gringos like people had blue blue eyes blonde hair pink undertones you know get like red in the sun like so I always saw myself that way and when I moved to America um I remember I when I was at, at Berkeley um there was there weren't that many like black kids in the school and but they were like the really really good jazz musicians they were really talented but they all sat together in the cafeteria and I was with like my roommates and other people and I remember them calling me over like hey, hey come over so with us and they said you belong here and I didn't understand what that meant I thought it meant like oh I'm a jazz musician like you guys respect me as a jazz musician and that's cool but the more I lived in the states the more I realized that I didn't really fit into the category that I did on in in Africa and in Brazil yeah and then I moved to Hollywood it was even more apparent when people started casting me differently like I um I would get called in for for mixed um black and white uh I get called in a lot for Latina Asian like Hawaiian Indian everything um I can see it I can I can as soon as you say the word I'm like yeah I can see Hawaiian like yeah. yeah, I can see, I can see that. I can see it's been, I can see Latin for sure. Yeah, but I'm zero percent South American. Zero. And I'm crazy. Um, when I'm on set, but I do speak Portuguese fluently, and I did grow up there, so I I don't feel as though I'm being dishonest, and though I'm I'm in 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 my storytelling because I I I don't understand, you know, how someone was raised uh, in those countries. Uh, yeah yeah no but it's one of those things where I guess it can be a blessing but then also very confusing sometimes and I know you you like to I mean you're in acting right you're portraying a role but there is a sense of authenticity I guess you try to bring in evoking experiences but I think the amazing thing that you're able to do is almost like the empathic nature of who you are lends you to be open to even if you don't know everything about the culture be open to learning about their experiences and bring it a lot and make it apparent in your role I think as a fan and as a viewer that's something that you do so well and I wanted you to know that because I like I said there has never ever been another actress I've watched on screen where immediately I went and I was like I need to let them know it's one thing to follow someone but like I was like I need to let this girl know today that I know your your trajectory in this field is going to be amazing and I feel so blessed to call yeah. it a friend 
how much that means to me. That's the big thing for me. Um, to, I guess, to, and another point I want to make about, because I am ethnically mixed, mm-hmm. you are, I always feel a sense of like, should I be portraying other ethnicities in, that, that aren't a part of my mix? Am I taking a, a job away from, from someone else that should be telling the story? So there is a sensitivity that, that I do want to keep. But then again, I don't look like any of my specific mixes entirely. So I would never get cast as those anyways. Yeah. I just try to be honest about it. Um, yeah, and, and hopefully people are... are, are it with um, not being extremely politically correct with every single rule as long as I approach it with the, the, the character with uh, with kindness um, and with good intentions. Yeah, and I think, and I can understand how difficult sometimes that might be, but uh, like I said, I think you do a really amazing job in uh, allowing yourself to be open to learning and portraying it as authentic, authentically as humanly possible. Um, yeah. But yeah, and my last, my last rounding up question for you is: There are so many young people right now who want to do what you do, and one of those things is you hear about moving to LA to pursue the dream. If you were to give your biggest piece of advice for the person who has their suitcase packed, ready to go on that plane as soon as COVID is over and come to LA and pursue their dream, what would be your piece of advice in entering into this world? I would say two things. Firstly, do it. (laughs) But be willing to put in the work. It takes a lot of work. Secondly, uh, this is something I still have to tell myself every day, is that I personally find myself never satisfied with the level of success that I achieve. Even though if I look back, it's really miraculous that we've come this far, you know, um, starting from really from, from nothing. Um, so I have to tell someone who's just starting out to be happy with where they are in the process. Because you're, uh, if you're like me, you're never gonna feel completely satisfied. Because I'm, I'm reaching for, you know, an Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> so, of course, of course. Even if, if I get one, I'm someone who's still gonna want to discover more characters and do other genres and, and um, excel in those because like, I really enjoy what I do. So just enjoy the moment is what I would tell someone who's starting out, whatever, wherever you are in the process. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think that's a great piece of advice. Enjoy the ride and be, pat yourself on the back every once in a while. Yes, it's true. It's yeah. true. Remember how far you've come already. Yeah. Really, that's, I think that is a perfect point to leave it. Ooh, another thing that I remember you saying that I wanted to just reiterate, and I think it's a universal experience is when you were talking about that, cup of tea (laughs) she's drinking from the cup of tea mug when you are experiencing rejection even though we're talking about acting I think that's something that a lot of us face in every aspect of life whether you're seeking a job that you wanted to get that job as a nurse in the hospital and you didn't get it or just know that it doesn't always have to do with you and to 
even if you hear a no, know that that one no here means that there's another yes around the corner. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, Charlotte, this has been absolutely incredible. Again, you are an incredible actress. I know that there's tons for you coming down the pipeline. For everyone listening, please, please, please go stream Greenleaf as well as Daybreak on Netflix and keep your eyes out for Charlotte because she is a already a star, but a rising, rising star. And for um, everyone interested in following you, where can they find you on socials? Oh, Instagram, Charlotte underscore Vinesh. And my last name is spelled B-E-N-E-S-C-H. It's not very on the last name. And Facebook, same Charlotte Benish. Uh, Twitter, Charlotte Benish. Charlotte. <laughs> so everywhere you can find it, Charlotte Benish. Her last name again is B-E-N-E-S-C-H. I will also leave that in the description down here. Below, I'm sure we'll have her back on again um, in sometime in the future. But for now, Joe, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be on here with us. It's been incredible. It made me really happy and it really made my day. Awesome. And for everyone, again, you can follow and find me at TaylorLN on Instagram, at TaylorLN on Twitter. Um, and my writing page at TaylorLN underscore W-R-I-T-E-S, TaylorLN underscore writes. And you can find this podcast on iTunes with, at Tea Time with Tay. So big things coming. I'm excited. This has been a great first dip back into the podcast bucket. And this episode has been brought to you by my company, Cup of Tay, Luxury Loosely Teas where you can find the best organic listening teas delivered straight to your home at www.cupofteas.com. Charlotte, I adore you. We'll be in touch. Until next time, guys, thank you so much for listening. Talk soon. Once again, thank you so much for listening. This episode was brought to you by my company, Cup of Tea Luxury Loose Leaf Teas. It is the most amazing, delicious organic teas on the market. We have green teas, black teas, white teas, dessert teas, everything that you could want in one place. Head over to cupoftea.com, that's C-U-P-O-F-T-E.com, or at Cup of Tea Shop on Instagram and all other social media handles. The link is also in the description. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Reckless, reckless.